And so the sermon today, the message today, is, is, is along these lines of walking in power and authority uh, with the Lord. So we've been in a series on, on spiritual warfare, and we talked about last week Peter uh, being uh, Satan. Satan said, uh, hey, Peter, uh, or, or Jesus said, hey, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. And we're wanting that to be pulled up. Here we go, walking in the authority of God. It's not on my uh, TV. So walking in the authority of God. And I think that many, many believers today are walking below their potential in the Lord. I think there's many believers today that do not know their identity in the Lord. Uh, I'm not getting much response, but I'm telling you the truth. There's a lot of people sitting on the pew today don't know how much power there is in the name of Jesus. They don't know how much victory, how much anointing, how much authority, how much power they can walk in and uh, in defeating the enemy. You are not to be walking in defeat. You're to be walking in victory. There y'all are, a few of you. And so today we're going to take authority. We're going we're gonna to talk about authority. And John 17, verse 2, I'll look at that with you. John 17 and 2, you have to give me power on this so that I can do this. And uh, either that or you have to do it, one or the other. Here we go, John 17, 2, just as you've given, uh, this is, this is. let me just start with tr- verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Somebody say, the hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you've given him authority over all flesh or just as you've given him power and authority over all mankind. Now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom uh, you have given him to be his permanently and forever. That's you. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. So he's saying the Father God gave Jesus all power and authority to glorify the Father, right, with his life, walking in power and victory and authority and anointing. Jesus, the anointed one, the holy one, the one, Jesus. How many know there's nobody quite like Jesus? He says, so so that... Jesus may give eternal life to all who have uh, you have given him to be his permanently and forever. How many plan to make it all the way to heaven today? Let me see. Permanently and forever. So if you're going to make it to heaven permanently and forever, you're going to have to fight the devil all the way. And not necessarily leaning on that negative, but you're going to have to walk in the power and the will of God, the ways of God and the word of God. You're going to have to walk in the in the authority of God as God's dear sons and daughters. Are you all with me? And so that's that's what's happening today. We're going to look at this. And uh, if you can flip that thing to give me power, then I'll let you rest in peace. Hallelujah. Satan's attack on our identity. He is trying to attack. Listen very carefully online and, and in the house. Satan is attacking your identity. In fact, Satan is attacking the identity of this whole entire generation. They don't know who they are. They're confused. The church doesn't even know sh- who she is. I mean, the church ought to know who she is. She's a church triumphant. I said, she's a church victorious. She's a church militant. She's a fighting, strong army of the Lord. Washed in the blood, right? Okay, you see, I told you to know who you was. This is really where we need to be today. If you forgot who you were, you need to be reminded you are a child of the living God. Therefore, we must follow his example and take our God-given authority over the attacks of the enemy. I'm telling you, Satan targets 
our identity. He targets last week. He targeted our confidence. Remember that? And, and, and really what happened? Peter lost his confidence. He lost his courage. But how many shouting? He still kept his faith, kept his identity. You know why? Because Peter knew who Jesus was. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Who do men? He said all to the, all the disciples, who do men say that I, the son of God am, the son of man am? And, and they, and they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Come back from the dead. He looked straight at Peter. Isn't that something he knows who to look at? He needs to ask leaders today. Come on, how many leaders, how many God is raising up to be the victorious church? The leaders, leaders. If you want to be a leader, how many know Satan's going to have a target on your back? If you're going to be the church, he's going to have a target on your back. And he's asking you, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. How many know that's a great declaration? So even though Peter didn't know who he was sometimes, he knew who Jesus was. And if you know who Jesus is, how many know you can walk with him all the way to victory? That's what we're talking about today. Jesus knew who he was. How many know Jesus knew who he was? Jesus knew his earthly purpose. He was to give eternal life to as many as God had given him. Right? And uh, and the case in point is we've been given identity. We've been given confidence. We've been given purpose. We've been given a dream. I mean, no, we've been given eternal life. And this is the victory we have in Christ Jesus, even eternal life. Listen, if you got eternal life, if you're going to walk with him permanently and forever, I mean, no, you already have the victory. And Ephesians said every spiritual gift you could possibly have has come already down to give to you from the Father. In him, you have it all. If you have the Son, you have it all. How many has got Jesus today? Let me see your hand. Well, I hope this gets in your spirit because this is a word from the Lord. Satan attacks our identity and our confidence, and we have to fight back, fight back with the truth of the word of the Lord, right? Not who people say you are. I may be a citizen of the United States, but how many know I'm a more than a citizen of the great country of America? I am a citizen of heaven. I am a child of the living God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Know who I am. Max, I know whom I believe in. And I'm persuaded to keep that which he, right, that I've committed unto him even against that day. Anybody here for the long haul? So Satan attacked Jesus. And if he attacked Jesus and his identity, how many know he's going to attack you? Jesus was driven into the wilderness. By the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, who was hungry, 40 days he was fasting, was tempted by Satan. The devil is so dumb. How many found the devil to be just outright dumb? Not even remedial. He's dumber than dumb. He tried the same trick on Jesus that he did with Adam and Eve. He told Adam and Eve, come away from the presence of the Lord. Adam and Eve shouldn't have been by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Compromise will steal your authority in a heartbeat. (laughs) Disobedience is the very thing that will destroy your authority in the kingdom. You can't have an anointing and you can't have an authority if you're going to walk in disobedience. So Satan pulled Adam and Eve over here and he whispered to them, say, hey. Hath God really said, 
Who is God? Satan's upset because God has a people for himself. He was jealous. He wanted to be the son. But Adam is the first son of God. And so Satan whispers to Eve, convinces her of her identity. Took her out of the presence of the Lord. So if you're if you want to lose, listen, listen, if you want to lose authority, you want to lose power, you get out of the presence of God. It's the very first thing you can do to lose it. But Jesus is over there in the wilderness, and here comes Satan, and he says in Luke 4, If you are the Son of the living God, you command these stones to be turned to bread. And Jesus turned around and said, Who do you think you are? I know who I am. Satan, get behind me. There's no if about it. I am the son of the living God. Jesus knew who he was. I mean, oh, the church needs to revisit and redefine and relearn who they really are. And say to Satan, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I am who God says I am. That's who I am. You want to know who I am? I'm more than the pastor of Oak Grove. I'm more than Melissa's husband. I'm more than the girl's uh, daddy. I'm more than the baby grandkid's grandfather. I am a son of the living God. Not the son of the living God. A son of the living God. Thanks to Jesus. <clears throat> I said, anybody glad you got in the kingdom? Now you walking with God. You have his name. You have his authority. Remember Jesus in Matthew 28 gave the great commission, said, hey, all authority, all authority and power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Therefore, go. I commission you with my name, with my authority, with my backing, with every provision I have, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. And on the cross, he said, it is finished, and he sat down. How many know Jesus came and did what he was supposed to do? He knew who he was. He knew what he was supposed to do, and there was not a devil big enough to stop him at his most vulnerable moment. To stop him and tell him, if you will bow down to me, all the kingdoms of the earth will be yours. Are you kidding me, Satan? I already own all the kingdoms of the earth. I'm Jesus, the son of the living God. He knew who he was. Is anybody getting this? So, so let's just go from Jesus to us. Jesus is saying, now I've given glorify you in my life. Now I'm going to sit down at the right hand of the father. And I want you boys and girls, you my sons and daughters, to be commissioned by me with my name and with my power, my authority. I have the keys of the kingdom. How many know Jesus went down to hell, kicked the devil in the teeth, took the keys of hell, death, and the grave, took authority. When he gets back up, before he's resurrected, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What he's saying is, I'm going to take care of heaven, and I give you authority to take care of my establishment, my kingdom on planet earth. Go. That's where we are. That's our identity. And so you got to stop believing what other people say you are. How many know the devil's a liar? He's attacking you in the mind in these last days, trying to confuse you, trying to convince you that the church is weak and the church is over. How many know it's not over till Jesus says it's over? And so uh, Jesus knew why he came. He knew who he was. He knew his destiny. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You are the reason Jesus came, right? 
He was born to die and resurrect so you can live eternally. He was empowered by the Father, filled with the Spirit, maintained his focus to the very end. And to the cross, he came to go to the cross to pay the penalty for sin. So the wrath of God would not be poured out on me and you. I wish somebody helped me preach today. But the wrath of God would be taken off of me and you by a sacrificial atonement and put upon his own son. And by that one sacrifice, I mean, oh, he destroyed every bit of the enemy's attacks. So how do we overcome? We walk in him. Amen. We stay with him. And so we have to tell the devil to back up. How many ever had to talk to the devil? It is written. The word of God says I am who my father says I am. And I don't know whose report you please to believe, uh, but I shall believe the report of the Lord. You say, oh, it's all good, Pastor, but he was Jesus. I'm just flesh and blood. How can I do? Well, we can follow the lessons we learned from him and become a kingdom person. Not certainly at the place he was, the place where God will, will enable us to be. We're not little Jesuses. How many thank God for that? Some people out there think they're little Jesuses running around. But how many know we're far from it? Jesus was the perfect man. We are the imperfect men and women. Let's get that right. But we have a perfect Holy Ghost who can empower us. So the authority is an enabling authority. We've been enabled. We've been empowered to become the sons of God. For as many as received him, remember that? To them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. He gave us power and authority. Why don't we utilize it? Why don't we access it? Can I tell you, if you're born again today, you have access to Almighty God. And you can overcome the enemy. Can somebody help me today? Sure you can. Sure you can. So let's look at it a little closer. John mentions the hour of the Lord. Seven times he mentions the hour of the Lord. The hour of the Lord. And so how do we do that? It's It's... In his gospel, seven times. So I started looking into that. Seven times. The hour of the Lord. The hour of the Lord. It just tells me that uh, <laughs> that our Lord didn't live by years or months. He only had 33 and a half years, right? But he lived by hours and minutes. So so we as kingdom people have to live the same way he did when we, when we walk in his power. I mean, no, if we walk the way he walked, we will do the things he did. In fact, Jesus says, and greater things shall you do when I go to my father. I know that's startling. But how many know if he said it, he believed it. And if we access his anointing and his authority and his power through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to do great and mighty things. Does anybody believe God can use the church to do great and mighty things? How many are ready to walk in divine power and anointing? I feel like somebody's here wants to walk in a new anointing and a new power and a new authority. Right? Have a new mindset. Got to change your mind. You got to get rid of that old weak, defeatist mindset. Old depressed little Christians running around. I mean, oh, we are the church. See that? So in researching the places of the hour of the Lord, as mentioned in John, we can discover promises of encouragement. For me as a pastor, I need this. Maybe you as a believer need this today. And the first place to look is where Jesus turned the water into wine. Right? <laughs> He walked in the will of the Father, fulfilling only what God asked him to do. And we need to learn in that kingdom authority. So let's look at it. Uh, the first place was uh, John 2, 1 through 4. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. 
And when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, dear woman, what is that to you and to me? I don't have time to explain that. My time, do you see that? Has not yet come. My time, that time that God had manifest in me, that that providential time, that chronos time uh, is come, but the Kairos time is not yet. I am not at the cross. It's not time for me to deliver uh, the who I am to reveal who I am. It's not time, woman. But since you're my mama, I got to do what my mama said. I mean, if you don't do what mama said, Jesus is going to get a spanking right there at the wedding. The time to act and to be revealed is not here. It's not time. You see this? You see this? This is the first time. So what was Jesus saying? The hour for me to be submissive to the authority of man has not come. The hour of the cross has not come. So the first thing we need to learn from him in walking in the plan of God for his kingdom is nothing can distract you. Remember, we did a whole sermon on distractions. Jesus refused to be distracted. Woman, hey, this is talking to his mother. But he had to set her straight, just like he set Peter straight. When Peter told him he wasn't going to the cross, he said, Peter, get thee behind me, devil. You're talking like the devil. You're thinking like the devil. You're hindering the will of God for me to go to the cross. You are not thinking. And whenever Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of living God, he said, you are thinking. I mean, no, Jesus only thought in eternal perspectives. He only thought in kingdom mind. And when you weren't thinking in kingdom mindset, that's why Judas betrayed the Lord. He was thinking about the wrong kingdom. He wanted to set up and rule a kingdom and it'll go and overthrow Rome. And Jesus wanted to show him how to lead into the kingdom of heaven. And so that's why on Sunday nights we're talking about the kingdom of God. If you don't come on Sunday nights, I invite you. And uh, those of you at home, you have to come because we don't do live stream on Sunday night. We can't spoon feed everybody every day. Love you. I love the way you're helping me here. So that's where most of us get lost is in this in this place of distractions. Jesus knew what he was called to do. He knew who he was and what he was supposed to do, and it wasn't time. And he said, Mama, not doing that. Not doing that. And so, and so he wouldn't let the distractions keep him from his purpose. He knew where he was going since he was born. He knew his God-given purpose, his will, God's will for his life, and he didn't allow anything to distract, disturb, disrupt, or distort what God had designed for his life. Does anybody believe that God has a plan for your life? A will for your life. A will. A, a will and testament. Do you understand? An Old Testament and a New Testament. How many know when the testament, the will, is no good until the testator dies? How many know a will is no good to be fulfilled until the person dies? Are you, is anybody hearing me? So when Jesus died, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. You do my will on this planet. You understand that? So this is the will of God for us to complete, complete the work of God. But he said, it's not time. And so what he was saying was, he was saying, hey, mama, I, I need you to, to see this. Because it's first, it's first mentioned here in the marriage of Feast Cain of Galilee. And, and he was saying the time for me to be submissive is not yet. Nothing can distract me. It's not time. How many know when the Bible says many times in the word of God, when the fullness of time had come. Remember that? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when the fullness of time, it wasn't time, right? It wasn't time. But in the ages of time, it came a time. Is anybody glad Jesus came? 
in the fullness of time, at the right time, at the perfect time. His timing is impeccable. Does anybody believe the Father is so good that his timing is impeccable? It's, it's perfect, the perfect timing of God. Then why do we get so disturbed when he's late? He's often been late. Maybe he's never been late, but he's missed a lot of opportunity to be early. And we get distracted. He, <laughs> and so God's will, he, he didn't allow anything to stop him or slow him down. And, and listen, when you know God's will, how I many know oh, you can have confidence that until you finish what God started, nothing's going to slow you down. I'll tell you, COVID kind of helped me out. I mean, we were on a thing here, man, almost 20 years of ministry at Oak Grove. Man, we, we're rolling, we're rocking and rolling, and all of a sudden the whole world stops. I mean, the whole world stopped. I mean, I don't know how the last time that happened, but the whole world stopped. And I had never gone here too far. <laughs> I was like, Joshua, we never went here before. Didn't know when to church, have church, don't know when not to have church. What do you do with church? You go outside and have church, come inside and have church, go upstairs to have church. Put signs out, this hand was high, way high. Church, the way we had it was over. It was over. We had to create. Can I tell you, a worldwide pandemic can't stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had to find a way. I said, we had to find a way to get together. Ten weeks we couldn't get together, but how many know God? God had to help us, empower us, enable us to stand up and say, though there may be a worldwide pandemic, the body of Christ is going to rock on. This church will move forward in the middle of a storm. Call it what it is. Can't stop it. You can't stop the move of the Lord. Amen. The fullness of time. It all happens in the fullness of time. And it hasn't happened yet. So you're not there yet. So it must not be time. Why don't you say that with me? It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and you're not there yet. So it must not be time. We're in this place between here and not yet. We have this place between where we're going to be, where we, we feel like we ought to be, but we're not there yet. So we're in this place in the middle. Say, so is this the will of God, Pastor? Of course it is. You think I'm going to order my steps by the will of Satan? The steps of the righteous are ordered by. How many believe God's still in charge of the born again believer's life? If you're walking in him and you're walking in his ways and walking in his will and walking in his word, wherever you are, that's where you should be. Now, if you're walking in disobedience, how many know you're immediately, you lose the authority and the anointing? Your disobedience just took you out of the presence of the Lord. So you're out of the will of God. Some people today are not getting this message because you're out of the will of God. You're walking in sin and you're out of the will of God. Sin, listen, God will not anoint and give you authority in his name to do something if you're not walking in his will. I mean, you know, you understand that, right? Prayer is conditioned upon obedience. You walk in, in power and authority and anointing uh, to do kingdom business, you better be walking in, in, in purity. Not saying perfection, purity. It's different than perfection. Is anybody hearing me? You can't just live in sin. Like half the church today thinks we can live in sin and still have that anointing. Listen, that's not anointing. That's gifting. 
There's a major difference between some people getting up and singing and preaching and moving in things of God, uh, and they're gifted, but they're not anointed. You can teach a monkey how to preach. Doesn't make you anointed. Ask King Saul, who lost his authority and lost his position. He lost it all because he didn't obey the word of the Lord. Whereas little old David, I wish somebody helped me preach today. It's serious. The fullness of time. Hold on. Hang in there. Don't let Satan distract you. Go where God says go. Stay when God says stay. Be confident. Be decisive. Stay in step with Jesus. Stay in step with the Holy Ghost. Stay in step with the plan of God. Don't let the enemy distract you. I don't care if she's your mama. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't even let your family distract you. Stay in step with God's plan. Quit running. Quit fighting. Quit trying so hard. I mean, oh, if you're in Jesus, you're in a good place. Say, is this the will of God? Well, let me ask you a good question for you to ponder, maybe. Was Jesus in the will of God on the cross? You bet your bottom dollar he was. Was Paul in the will of God in Rome in prison? Absolutely. God told him he would go there. I mean, oh, there's confidence in knowing you're in the will of God. Nevertheless, he said, not my will. No distractions. Are y'all hearing me? The second phrase, we've got to get going because y'all scaring me. The next time we see this phrase occurs is in two places. When John 7, 30 and John 8, 12 and um, verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem, John 7, 30, uh, 25, some of the people in Jerusalem said, is this, is this not the man they want to kill? That's Jesus they're talking about. Look, he's speaking publicly and they say nothing to him. Is it possible the rulers really know that this is the Christ? I mean, that's very possible. But we know where this man is from. We know from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. They're Mary and Joseph's son. We know. We know where this man is from. And, And whenever the Christ comes, nobody will be able to know where he's from. Then Jesus called out as he taught in the temple, You know me and know where I'm from. And I have not come on my own initiative as self-appointed, but he who sent me is true. And him you do not know. I know him myself because I am from him. I came from his very presence. And it was he personally who sent me. Told you Jesus knew who he was. And here it is. So they were eager to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Why? Because his time had not yet come. I'm talking to you about how to live in authority, walk in authority. You got to know that you know that you know. You can't worry about what somebody else thinks about you, what somebody else said about you, or what they think about your past or your heritage or where you come from. I mean, no, it ain't up to them. It's what God says about you. It's God who called you. It's God who sent you. It's God who anointed you. It's God who blessed you. You don't answer to man. You answer to God. Jesus said, y'all don't even know who I am. Y'all don't even know who I am. Look at verse 8, chapter 8, John 12 through 20. Another, once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees told him, you're testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Anybody ever tell you your testimony is not valid? 
Jesus replied, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to human standards just by what you see. I do not judge anyone that way. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true and my, de- my decision is right. For I am not alone in making it, but I, the Father who sent me, make the same judgment. Even in your own law, it's written that the testimony of two people, it's true, valid, admissible in the court of law. So I am one and of the two. And my Father who testifies about myself and my Father who sent me testifies about me. That's what he's saying. Are y'all reading this with me? Then the Pharisees said to him, where is this father of yours? Jesus answered, you know, not neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus said these things in the treasury as he taught in the temple courtyard. And nobody seized him. Why? Because his time had not yet come. Oh, they were threatening him. They were trying to intimidate him. They were trying to say, you're Mary and Joseph's son. And you don't. You don't have the authority. You're talking like you're testifying of your soul. Who do you think you are, prophet? Who do you think you are, the son of the living God? He said exactly who I am. That'd be like somebody walking into Old Grove today and saying, who do y'all people think you are gathering in the name of Jesus? The church? And Maybe if they said it and they grabbed a gun or something, maybe we would cower down and say, not me, not me. That was what Peter did in the in the. Are you with him? Are you with him? No, I'm not with him. Remember, Mark? I'm not with him. I don't know him. I don't even know him. Jesus who? Jesus who? No, I was over there. I was over there. I don't. I heard about him. Yeah, I heard about him, but I don't know. Hey, how many know there's a day coming where you're going to have to stand up for Jesus? And I mean, we said that. We've sang that. But there's a day coming soon, Pastor Mark. We're going to have to stand up for Jesus. I said, you're going to have to come against every authority, every devil, every principality, every municipal person, every authority. You're going to have to stand up and say, Jesus is Lord. He is my father. He testifies of me and I testify of me. And that's two. And according to the Old Testament, the scripture was saying, you said that's valid in the court of law, two or three. Valid. So you don't know my father, and so you don't know me, because the father and I are one. See, see, I'm talking to people who are having discouraging days. And if you think you got them now, how many know they're coming for sure in the future? They're coming. And you're going to have to make up your mind who you really are. And you're going to have to stand up and declare who you are in him and what you're doing for him. They may come. They might try to take our tax status. You go ahead and take the tax status. We're going to still be the church. Go ahead and take the whole building. You can have the garage we're building too and the other annex. It doesn't matter. I mean, no, we are not buildings. We are the church of the living God. We are. We're Oak Grove. Oak Grove. You can have all two, $2 million worth of assets. You can have it all. But you can't take Jesus. I said, you can't take Jesus. You can't take the authority of the word of God. You might even confiscate my Bible, but you can't take the Bible out of my heart. I must stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? Because I know who I am. And I know where I am going. And in the, it's like the lady who 
who her husband would beaten her because she wanted to go to church. He beat her. And she said, I'm going to church tonight. She said, he said, if you go to church tonight, I'm going to beat you and, and, and I'm going to kill you. He said, pulled a gun on her and said, I'll shoot you. She said, if you shoot me, I'm going to heaven. And if you don't, sir, I'm going to church. I mean, no, that's a made up mind. Why? She knew who she was. Hey, why would you worry about somebody who can kill your body? He said, I have the power over your soul. What profit does it gain to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? People are selling out for a little or nothing. Sell your birthright. Sell your convictions. Sell your standards through the roof. How many know we got to stand on the word of the Lord? He's coming soon. How many know he's still coming soon? I know the delay has caused a lot of people confusion. And they're all debating whether he's coming before, you know, the tribulation or after the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation. Can I tell you, he's still coming. He's coming as a judge. The first time he came, oh, he came as a savior. But the next time he comes, he's coming as a judge. The first time he came to save, the next time he came to separate us. I said the first time he came to help you. The next time, if you're not in him, you go. it's not going to be good for you. And what you don't know can't hurt you. If you don't know Jesus, it will devastate you. The wrath of God will be poured out on you. I said, the wrath of God is coming. Y'all can ignore the preacher. I said, y'all can ignore the preacher while he builds the ark. Go ahead and laugh and mock at the preacher as he builds the ark. But how many know the rain is starting to fall? You can start seeing the signs of the time. How many know Jesus is coming, church? It's not the time to cower back and to seek and to shrink and to be depressed. It's the time to rise up and be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand on the word of God. Don't be distracted. It's simply the second part means nothing can distract you, but also that nothing can destroy you. Do you understand that? Nothing. I submit to you that when you live according to the will of God and the plan of God, not only can nothing distract you, but but nothing could destroy you. Jesus did not fear destruction because he knew his purpose was the cross. They weren't going to get him. They were going to seize him. There's another time when he had to leave. Many times he had to leave the crowd because they wanted to take him and just rip him to pieces. And they would have ripped him to pieces, Josiah. But he got out. They don't even know how he got. He said, you can't touch us. Whoa! It was phantom Jesus. One second he was here. The next second he was gone. Oh, Jesus is bad. I mean, bad. That means good in this generation. Get you a dictionary. They couldn't do anything to Jesus. I said they couldn't do anything to Jesus. And he stands before Pilate and Pilate says, I'll destroy you. Don't you know I have authority over your life? I can take your life. I can make decide whether you live or die. And Jesus said, I gave you the power, Pilate. You didn't take my life. I laid it down. I mean, no, that's the real authority. There's a difference. Listen to me. There's a difference between, between positional authority and relational authority. Right? For Jesus, he was the authority of God. We have been empowered with authority. Right? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We've been empowered. We've been endued with power from on high. If you're going to walk in the authority of God today, you're going to have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to, oh, somebody needs to help the preacher. If you're going to walk in authority, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit's going to have to lead you and guide you. You can't walk in the flesh and have the power of God. A lot of people trying to do that, but it doesn't work. Ask King Saul. He lost his throne. He lost his anointing. Lost his power. The cross was not looming in front of Jesus. The scripture says no one could touch him because his work was not yet done. Until he went to the cross, I don't care how many threats they made, temptations by Satan himself. Nothing was going to happen to him because the father. I mean, the father had a hedge of protection about the son. He was God. Say before he ever did one miracle, he was baptized in the Jordan by John and the heavens opened, and the father said to the son, this is my son. Never did a miracle yet. Cain of Galilee was the first. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's my son and nobody will touch him. I'm saying to you today, you don't have to live in fear, in worry, fret over tomorrow and what Biden's going to do or next president's going to do or what the economy's going to do or what the stock market's going to do or what the weather's going to do. I mean, you don't have to worry about it. You just need to worship God in the middle of it. But Satan wants you to worry, worry, worry. God wants you to have faith, have faith, have faith. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. You're never going to be anywhere. I'm not with you. How many's ever known what it's like to be lost? I've gotten lost in Chicago. I've gotten lost just about every city I've ever been in. <laughs> Especially the big cities. I'm like, Lord, have mercy on my soul. I don't want to live in Chicago. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, I love the Ozarks. Man, you can't go a half a block to and Siri, my phone, trying to help me. But I've already passed the block before she could tell me. That she, and she's already recalculating, recalculating. I'm about to throw my phone out the window. It's tough to be lost. I said, it's hard to be lost. And how I many know oh, if you don't have Jesus as your navigator, if you don't have the will of God and the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you and teaching you and leading you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you will be lost. This confusing world. Everybody's saying something about who they think you are and who they think he is. You better stick your nose right back in the book. How many know the Bible will tell you who he is? Amen. So nothing can destroy you. Jesus said that. You can drink any deadly poison, it won't destroy you. Now, now we're not going to deal with presumption. Nobody said go home and drink deadly poison. Or don't try to take care of yourself. This is not presumption. We're talking about real faith. Not testing God. I'm not going to jump off of here and say, oh, I hope I don't break my leg. I mean, no, that's testing and tempting God. We're talking about having faith in common sense. And I just was praying for you this week. And the Holy Ghost said, tell Old Grove how proud you are of them because they have common sense. Don't you just love people with common sense? Have you met anybody who didn't have a lick of common sense? I mean, lately. I mean, lately. It seems like it's in short supply. I mean, everywhere I go, I was like, uh, my order is four ninety five, and it's a half hour later they're trying to figure out. I gave them a five dollar bill. How much change do I? I just keep it. Just keep the nickel, okay? I really don't have time for this. Keep the nickel. Don't go get the supervisor. Don't just keep the nickel. Keep the nickel. I don't have time for this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Confused. And they're hurting. They're lost. They can't even count. And they can't drive. I saw one yesterday. Before I get off on this, I don't want to get off too far, but 
guy was at the four-way stop, put on his headset, like the big ones, the big ones, Max, big old ear things, you know, put that on, had his iPad out, and his front was on his, uh, on his, I was just, I just was amazed. I thought, where are you going? Would you please drive into the next driveway? You can't drive with, with all that. And, and people are getting hurt going into eternity because of lack of common sense. I got to tell you, <laughs> there's courage that comes from knowing one is in the will of God. God's man in the center of God's will is almost immortal until God is finished with him. Are you hearing me? Now I've got to shout it. I'm not dead, so therefore God must not be done. I'm not dead, therefore God's not done. My, my mentor, Charlie Greenaway, great missionary to Africa. He said, let finishing time or quitting time for me be when I'm dead. So that's why I picked up the rest of that. If I'm not dead, God's not done. Let me just say, if he's not here yet, I've got work to do. And no devil in hell is going to stop us from building the church a New Testament church, a victorious church, a church that knows how to fight the enemy in the middle of the dark world, stand up for purity in a wicked, perverted generation. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And so, so until then, I keep on praying and keep on walking, keep on working, keep on winning souls, keep on worshiping, keep on giving. And, and when he's, and, and, and we as God's kingdom people who continue to engage in cultural erosion, our culture is absolutely eroding. Eroding. And some of us are going to have to go back and review this promise one more time. He is faithful. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord and say, you are faithful. Faithful. God, our Father. Faithful. Great is your faithfulness, O God. If God's for me, who can be against me? To walk in his authority and God's will. He will protect you in these last days. You can, you don't have to be scared or fearful. You can stand strong and be confident in your identity, confident in the fact that he's going to enable us for nothing can destroy you as you walk with him. Number three. Uh, well, nothing can destroy you. That was the point. Are you glad we got done with that one? I am. The third location is found in John 12, 27. Now my soul is troubled and deeply distressed. This is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour of trial and agony. But it's for this very hour and purpose that I've come. This very time and place. So, you know, he didn't ask the Lord to save him or deliver him. He said, nevertheless. How I many know number three, the blessing is nothing can discourage you. Have you ever had a nevertheless moment when everything's against you? I mean, no, we all are going through everything, all of us. If you're not going through something, can we compile together some stuff to give to you so you can join us? Mentally, emotionally. Josiah, you know, our culture is struggling mentally, emotionally, uh, financially. I mean, the workforce. Oh, I've never seen a day like and, and and I just think it's just scratching the surface of what's coming. I really don't think we've seen anything yet. I hate to encourage you that way. But the, but the, the fact is, Jesus didn't say, he didn't ask, what shall I choose? What shall I choose? Go to the cross or not go to the cross? He didn't say that. 
He said, what shall I say then? And he said, I say, nevertheless. I want somebody to just shout, nevertheless. One more time. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. He understands that for this hour, he's been born. This tells me that when you live according to God's purpose and plan for your life, nothing can distract you, nothing can destroy you, and nothing can discourage you. Nevertheless, what else did he say? Nevertheless, what? Thy will be done. They're going to kill me. But that's why I was born. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to do. And this is painful. And this is painful. So painful, I'm, I'm sweating blood. I've never had sin on my shoulders. I am the perfect spotless lamb of God. And this is getting heavy. I've got Ron Moran's sin on me. I've got Melissa Moran's sin on me. I've got everybody's sin on me. I've got America's sin on me. I've got Africa's sin on me. I've got Asia's sin on me. I've got the sins of the whole world on me. Never have I felt this. This is painful. Oh, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Nevertheless. So that they might have eternal life. So I can teach him how to be overcomers. So the next time Satan opens his mouth, they can stand with authority and say, nevertheless. You come at me with a sword and a javelin. I come at you in the name of the Lord. How many, how many learned how to fight devils? Anybody? That's the whole series. So I say it every day. Pastor Ron says this every day. So when you're under attack, I want you to say what I say. The will of the Lord be done. It's not God's will that the devil attack you. It's God's will that you say, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, you better start talking with your mouth. I mean, there's a power and authority as life and death is in the power of your tongue. You got to begin to release some stuff out of your mouth and tell the devil what God already said. Satan, I'm not a loser because God said he found me. I'm not lost because he said I'm found. And I'm not dead because he said I'm alive. I'm going to live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the, I'm the lender. I'm not the borrower. I'm not in debt. He paid my debt. I'm not in bondage. He saved me. He delivered me. I'm not empty. I'm full. I'm not depressed. I'm full of joy. I said, this is the joy. I've got something that the world can't give. And the world can't take it away. You see what you you got to start speaking. God gave you authority and anointing and divine power to speak. Speak. God speaks. Satan speaks. We're waiting on the church to speak. Somebody needs to speak. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Somebody needs to speak to that ailment you've got. Somebody needs to speak to that problem you face. To that intimidation Satan's lying to you about. You gotta start speaking. Why? Because you got authority. Remember? God gave Adam authority. Whatever Adam named said, that's gonna be a horse. God said, it's a horse. 
Come on now. Everything Adam said named on earth, it was established in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I don't think anybody's getting this. Whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth, would be bound in heaven. If you're walking in anointing, if you're walking in authority, if you're walking in agreement, if you're walking in the word of God, the will of God, the ways of God, I mean, no, he will be with you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. So you got to take notice on this stuff. The will of the Lord. Don't give in to Satan or anybody else. And don't get them credit for anything going on in your life. If you're walking in obedience and authority. Now, if you're walking in disobedience, I feel sorry for you. You're pretending. Knowing who you are, though, and whose you are, where he's taking you, you can be confident. He, <laughs> he knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> he knows the end from the beginning. He knows whether Melissa or Guy are going to see 20 years here or not. He knows if Melissa and I are going to see 20 minutes here or not. That's why Jesus said, take no thought about tomorrow. Only live today. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep. Don't worry. He said, you know what? I've considered the lilies of the field. Check them out. They neither toil or hustle or bustle. They don't fight and worry about next week. They'll be up next year. They'll be here next year. The winter season might make them go dormant, but the winter will not kill the seed. You only kill your own seed. When you throw in the towel and give up your faith. How I many know there's a seed of faith? If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, is anybody getting any of this stuff? You could say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. We have this confidence in him. Whatever we ask in thy name, believing it shall be done. Now, now you're walking in disobedience. You can ask all day long. It's not going to happen. But you're walking in the will of God with the authority of God in the name of the Lord. You carry the power of God. You're an ambassador. You're the king's kid. And I think God's about ready to change somebody's name today. He's about ready to change somebody's character today. He's about to change somebody's situation today. Just like Jacob. Remember, Jacob was called surplanter and deceiver. And, uh, <laughs> and God's, he wrestled with God and wrestled with God. And God won. Can I tell you, you keep on wrestling. But I want to let you know, God always wins. You'll give up and let Jesus take over. Go ahead and give up. And he'll change your name from Jacob, deceiver, to to Israel, prince of God, son of God, the king, son of the king, prince. So you got to make up your mind if you're going to walk in authority, whether you're living like Jacob or whether you're going to live like Israel. And God, for all those years in the Old Testament, tried to tell Israel how to live in the will of God. But they lost patience. And they lost faith. They lost obedience. They were negative, murmuring, complain, gripe all the time. They lost their identity, and they didn't make it. And that's what I've been trying to teach you. Where's God taking you? John 16, 32, Jesus prophesied to his disciples that, the hour was coming that they would be scattered and leave him alone with only the Father. Look at this, John sixteen thirty two. Take careful notice. An hour is coming and has arrived when you will be all scattered, each to his own home, leaving me alone. And yet I am not alone. Why? Do you all see that? The Father is with me. The Father is with me. 
Have you ever been forsaken? Have you ever been denied? Has anybody duped you? Dissed you? Has anybody left you? you ever hurt you? You ever hurt yourself? You ever want to give up? You ever contemplate suicide, just finishing it all, quitting, giving up? It's not worth it. I mean, oh, the devil is a liar. All of that is whispers from Satan. Whispers. Come here. You're worthless. No, I'm not. I'm valuable enough for Jesus to give his own blood for me. So you're never going to make it. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. Because Jesus is going to empower me with the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to make it all. I'm going to make it. See that? you got to learn how to speak back. Take up for yourself. The devil is nothing but a bully. He's a bully. You ever met a bully? Oh, I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. I met bullies. I never was a bully. But I tell you what I like to do to a bully. I'm sanctified now, so I don't want to do the same thing I would have done. But Mark, you know what I wanted to do to a bully. And I thought when I got saved that uh, all bullies would be eradicated from my life. How many know one shows up every morning when I get up? The Satan himself. So take careful notice, he said. Same patterns repeated today if you haven't discovered it already. If you're a cut above the rest, listen to me. If you're above average in terms of what God has called you to do as a leader, you'll often stand alone. Sometimes you'll stand alone. You'll feel as though nobody in the world can understand you. And that's the way it is with Jesus. And if ever there was a time when he could have given up his goal, this would have been it. Nobody's here with me. I'm all alone. I got to tell you, folks, leaders get lonely too. I said, it's not a pity party. Pastors get lonely too. You ever heard of the old adage, it's lonely at the top? So the next time you go to work and start criticizing your leader, just realize, till you've ever been a leader, you better watch out. What you say will come right back on you. You better be careful what you do to the leader. I said, you better watch out. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the, you better be glad he's looking down in love. And you better be glad it's him and not me. Jesus says, nobody is here with me. I want you, I want you to see this because Paul also said, nobody stands with me. Nobody's here with me. I've been left for dead. I've been shipwrecked. You, want, you talk about a complaint list. Paul had a reason. I've been peril of the ocean and peril of the sea. I've been peril of my friends and my own countrymen. I've been, I've been in prison. I've been beat 39 times with a rod, save one else that have killed me. I've been deserted everywhere. I've been hungry. I've been naked. He's been everything. He's been everything. Lonely, lonely, lonely. He said, nobody stands with me. I'm left to fight all by myself. So Paul says, nobody stands with me. But remember, he stood in front of King Agrippa. He wasn't worried about anything because he knew what? He was going to Rome. Now, I just want to finish this message telling you, if God told you you're going to Rome, you're going to Rome. I just want to say it again, Max. If God told you you're going to Rome, until you get to Rome, nobody's going to be able to mess with you. Don't be distracted. Don't be disturbed. You can't be destroyed. 
Because until you get to Rome, there is no way they're going to destroy you because the Lord said you're going to Rome. If the Lord said you're going to Rome, there's not a storm or a snake or anything else that could happen to you that's going to disturb you or stop you because you're going to Rome. You see that? God's word is supreme. So what has God said to you, my friends? Also understand that he's with you. You're never alone. Can you say amen to that? You're never alone. And he cares. He cares. His eyes on the sparrow and he's watching over you. I want to sing that so bad. Don't be discouraged. God's fighting for you. Jesus is interceding for you. The Holy Spirit's working through you. And some of you are ready to go. But since we don't have church tonight, I'm going to take my time. I am in the will of God right now. Nothing can discourage you, right? And nothing, nothing by any means can hit, hurt you. John 17, verse 1. goes right back to where we started. Uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when you understand he's fighting for you, you, you don't have to be discouraged. When Jesus, in John 17, 1, had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer. And this is the last one, folks. That's why it says, finally. And he said, Father, the hour has come. The hour. Final hour, glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Everything you do should be glorifying God. Jesus is speaking in victory, not defeat. Nothing can defeat you. But over and over, I hear people in church with a defeatist mindset. Defeatist. Oh, we ain't going to make it. We ain't going to make it. The world's gone and just never, you know, always negative, 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 always negative. I mean, I just get nauseated. Being around the negative. Could somebody, especially in the church, full of the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, rise up and say something positive for a change? We are the church. It doesn't negate the fact that we're not in denial. We know that the finances, we don't stop with the 20 trillion. What is 20 trillion? Just keep on printing money. Who cares? My future is not based upon the budget of America. Come on, somebody. We're going to go into a recession. Pastor Ron decided I'm going to opt out. You go ahead and go into a recession. How many know my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills? And how many know he can provide for me? I'm not waiting. My security is not in the government. (laughs) Am I having a party all by myself? Nothing can defeat you. Remember here. He's speaking in victory, not defeat. He lifts his eyes and says, Father, the hour has come. This is the hour for which he had been living since the moment he was born in Bethlehem. And if we follow his example, we can enjoy the same kind of victory he did. One hour at a time. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. What are you worried about this morning? They're going to come back to the platform. We're going to let you go home. Please get home in time after lunch to be safe in your home. Pastor Ron and the board didn't make this decision because we're faithless. We did because we're compassionate. Are you hearing me? It's not because we can't believe. We just think it's stupidity to have you drive out in a thunderstorm and a tornado just to come to God's house for for a half hour. So before we were ordained, my wife and I got a word from the Lord. How many have ever gotten a word from the Lord? 35 years ago, Melissa and I got a word from the Lord. (laughs) It was 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you. 
who also will do it. Well, when we heard that, Max, it was, it was mind-boggling and startling. So he called me, but he's going to do it. So he called me, but he's going to do it. How is he going to do it? If he called me to do it, why is he doing it? What he's going to do is he's going to enable me through divine authority, through divine power. I'm going to walk in his will, and everything I do, every place I put my foot, every time I say it, every time I walk it, every time I do it, every time I get in my place, myself in a place where there's no resources and there is no help, I mean, oh, I can trust my God will come through for me. And when I can't do it on my own, I mean, oh, he'll get it done. And since I can't, he always does. We can't be discouraged by all these challenges that are going on that right now in America. Because the God who called us is the God who enables us. And the God who saw his own son go all the way to the cross. So the point is, would you stand with me today? Never get distracted. Never get discouraged. Never get disappointed. Because you'll never be destroyed. And you'll never be defeated. It's the same God who fills us when we take on the responsibility to do his will. The will of God never takes you. For the grace of God can't keep you. Let me say that last line again. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God can't keep you. So I don't know where you're walking, but I got to tell you, God wants to speak. He's a speaking God. There's a speaking devil. And you need to be a speaking church. The Holy Spirit speaks. He's speaking to you right now. These altars are open. If you're struggling somewhere and you're finding yourself intimidated, being bullied, being pushed around, being taken out of the presence of God. You're losing your faith. You're losing your will to fight. You're, you're losing your, your, your authority. You're losing your power. You're, you're, you're feeling weak, vulnerable, intimidated. How I many know oh, you need to stand up and get in this altar and lift your hands and say, I refuse to worry. I've come here to worship. I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm going to be a worshiper. Worshippers in the altar. Worriers, I don't know what to do with you. You stay in that worry state as long as you want to, but it ain't going to change anything till you change your mind. You're going to worry all the way until Jesus comes. Can I stop what's going to happen? No, but the Lord can do whatever he wants to do.